I love the ocean more than anything in the world. Um, I love being on the ocean. I love fishing on the ocean. I just, it's kind of, you know, it's it for me. I was reeling in my line and I look up and about 200 yards kind of off our port bow, there was like National Geographic video of tuna just boiling on the surface, crashing on this little big fish that, we, that are called sari. And they're eating these little like inch and a half, two inch, really thin bait fish. And I was watching these things and they're coming. I just stood on the bow and waited till it got within casting range. And I made a cast into, you know, what had to have been a thousand albacore, just frothing, boiling, watered madness. And I, it's the single coolest fly cast I've ever made in my entire life. And I was shaking so bad thinking as soon as my fly hit the water, it's just going to get murdered. How could it not, you know? And I was fishing like a five inch kind of anchovy pattern. And I made probably a dozen casts into those fish and they didn't even sniff it. Wouldn't look at it. They were so keyed in on these tiny little bait fish, they, big five inch fly, they wanted nothing to do with it. You have to, you have to come to terms with the fact that you are never going to control where an albacore goes. You can't turn it head. You know, I, if you're a good angler, you can turn the head on a 40 pound Chinook. You're never ever going to turn the head of a 10 pound albacore. Hey, welcome back to the Young Guys Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. And we have a great episode ahead. Um, but first, Kyle has some words to tell you. Yeah, I just wanted to check in with you guys. As we mentioned on our previous episode, we are now an affiliate with Heather's Choice. If you go to the Heather's Choice website and use our code, the Young Guides 10 that's the Young Guides 10 at checkout, you can save yourself 10% off of any meal, whether that be a breakfast or a dinner, or off of packaroons. Again, we have our seasonal packers in stock right now. We have candy cane, Santa's cold, ginger snap, and eggnog. I really can't choose a favorite of mine from those four. They're all really good. So get those while you can. They're great stocking stuffers for the holiday season. Go check out heatherschoice.com and get ready for your next outdoor adventure. Back to Keaton. Awesome. Awesome. So we have a really exciting guest today. Um, today's guest is going to be Nick Clayton. Um, he's a fly fishing guide. He's a regular gear guide uh, out on the coast for tuna. And then he also runs his own guide service for sea run cutthroats. Um, we're very excited to have Nick. Nick is an awesome guy. I've done a trip with him before. Um, like I said, it's, it's a very exciting podcast. He's got some great information to share. Um, and then one other thing I'd just like to mention is, uh, away from it is thanks everyone for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Me and Kyle are very grateful. Um, we've got a lot of great feedback, um, just starting out. So, uh, you know, we're going to keep staying after it and bringing good episodes, uh, the best we can for you. And we hope you keep enjoying them. So, um, anything you want to add on to that, Kyle? Uh, nope. I think, uh, I think you said it well, Keaton. We really appreciate everybody listening to us um, on the podcast, your engagement on our social media platforms um, and people just reaching out to us personally saying that they like the podcast and we even have people reaching out um, that could be potential future guests. So we appreciate that. And uh, just hope that you will continue your support for what Keaton and I um, start, started doing. 
Yeah. And um, like Kyle mentioned, we are on social media. Um, our only social media right now is Instagram. Um, we are getting a website up, um, but our Instagram is the Young Guides Podcast. Um, so just give us a follow on that. Or uh, if you have, you know, you can DM me or Kyle on that too. And we can answer questions or anything you might have from a podcast or, you know, if you're a young guide or you're a guide in general that is looking to possibly be on this podcast, you can reach out to us there as well. Um, so I, I, I do have one more. I just, I just thought of one more thing. Yeah. So if you're looking to come to Alaska next summer, and want to do some fishing on the road system, uh, the outfitter that I work for bear Paw river guides is providing a little bit of a promotional um, kind of kind of like a giveaway kind of thing um, between now, which is today's the day before Thanksgiving until December 24th. If you book a trip between now and December 24th with bear Paw river guides for the 2022 season, you are entered into a chance to get 50% off of your trip. So if you've ever wanted to come fish Alaska, fish the road system, we're only an hour and a half north of Anchorage. We have um, salmon fishing for four of the five species of salmon. Um, we have rainbow trout. We have grayling. You can come and fish the bead drop in the fall. You can fish and catch as many pinks as you want in late July, early August. You can come put some cohos in the freezer if you come in later summer, early fall, or if you want to hit that smolt migration early spring for some big rainbows. You can come do that. Or if you just want to catch some big drilling on dry flies, you can come do that too. So we have really good Alaska fishing an hour and a half from Anchorage. You could be off the plane standing in Willow within just a few hours and having some extraordinary uh, Alaska fishing. So if you ever want to, wanted to fish up there, book a trip between now, December 24th with Bear Paw River Guides, and you have a chance to get 50% off of your trip. So Follow, find us on the website or you can um, contact us or social media. We can get you to uh, Shane. He will get that on the calendar. Awesome. And as Kyle mentioned before, uh, today is the day before Thanksgiving. So we are hoping from the Young Guides podcast to you guys that you have a great, safe Thanksgiving. If you're not celebrating Thanksgiving, we still hope you have a great you know, weekend. Or if you're you know, just doing a get together, we're hoping that that is also a great time for you. Um, so without further ado, uh, here is Nick Clayton and here's our podcast and, uh, we are very excited. So here we go. Let's do it. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the young guides podcast. I'm Keaton and this is I'm Kyle and we are here with a special guest today, Nick Clayton. He does tune on the fly, uh, sea run fishing, um, has a, adverse background and um, all types of fly fishing and we're really excited to have him on today um, so without further ado here's Nick how you doing Nick good how you guys doing good good yeah. um, let's uh let's just get this started um, tell us a little bit about your back a little bit about your background all right well uh, I was born and raised up in Port Angeles out on the Olympic Peninsula um, my mom lived with my mom and and stepdad when I was young, and he was the one that, that got me into, he was uh, kind of obsessed with steelhead fishing in particular, you know, out there kind of in the Mecca uh, back in the early to mid eighties. Um, started taking me steelhead fishing with him when I was like four. Um, most of the time I out for, watching uh, 
went trout fishing, you know, all the, the usual stuff and uh, just kind of progressed from there. Uh, we did, you know, uh, mostly salmon, trout and steelhead. Uh, we didn't really own a, a saltwater boat to speak of. We'd go out to CQ when I was young and, and rent the boats from Olson's, those little 16 foot wooden <laughs> boats they had out there. Um, run around in the fog out, you know, it's amazing. We didn't end up in Canada back then without any electronics or anything. Um, but from day one, I was, you know, just always obsessed with fishing. Uh, my mom always tells the story, especially now that I'm, you know, for a living that, uh, from as long as I can remember, she could remember when she, they take me to like doctors out in the, the lobby. And then I would just stand and drool over those fish and just watch them always been been my obsession um you know growing up out in port angeles it was it was uh you kind of had two options you either got into the outdoors or you got into drinking and drugs and partying um i went the, the outdoors route um, fishing hunting camping backpacking um, did it all um, used to love to hunt uh, but uh, fishing was always you know number especially like deer and elk season and stuff was kind of right in the heart of, of really good fishing so over time, fishing kind of drove that out. Um, same thing with most other activities, to be honest with you. Fishing just sort of dominated it. Um, but I spent the first, you know, 20, I, I moved down to the Kitsap area. Um, but the bulk of that, prior to that, was all up on the Olympic Peninsula there, which is sort of, especially at the time, was kind of a, a heaven for somebody that is into the outdoors and uh, just never went away. Uh, did a lot of other things. I commercial fished for almost five years up out of Bering Sea, um, right out of high school. Uh, you know, did did a bunch of other jobs and things, but uh, fishing was the was always the the constant in my life. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, did you pick up sea run fishing like recreationally, or um, when you're when you're in your younger days, or like how did that begin yeah so i i didn't start i didn't really really know about sea run cutthroat until not too long before i moved down to the kitsap area um we had caught them in the peninsula rivers as a kid you know growing up but i, I never really associated them with with salt water they were just cutthroat that we caught out of clawa and stuff and salt yeah. duck um and uh, i i will never forget it I, I went on a little camping trip to this little campground down on Hood Canal, me and uh, a buddy and his girlfriend. And it was basically just, we were gonna pitch the tent and drink and party for a couple of days. Um, and he brought a spinning rod and some like, you know, MEP spinning. Thought, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, I think there's cutthroat and there's other things. And, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and that first day we were just all kind of hung over and hanging out on the beach. And he was down just casting away and all of a sudden he caught like five really nice fish in a row. And I was like, what on earth are these things? I just didn't know that much about them. Uh, but I didn't really get into fishing for them until um, I was living in, I was living in Bremerton and working at the shipyard. And I got full custody of my son. He was four years old. So I kind of, uh, overnight I became a single dad. So my, my free time became very limited. I couldn't just, you know, head out to the peninsula for a weekend or something and go steelhead fishing. And Somewhere along the way, um, I got into beach fishing for coho um, and then learned about sea runs. And it just kind of took off from there because living where I did, 
you know, I, you had to drive four hours to get to any moving water. It's up. I had all this shoreline around. So I figured out that if I had a couple, two, three hour window, uh, I could go realistic chance of catching fish <laughs> and, uh, just kind of took off from there yeah awesome gotcha so how long have you been um guiding sea runs and what is what does that whole process look like for you uh let's see i think i started guiding like at the end of 2018 um for sea runs um it's, uh, you know, I guide from a boat, so it was a, a bit of a process to get to where I could, I could start. Uh, I had to, you know, go get a captain's license, uh, which took some time. Um, I hooked up with a guy, uh, just met him online, I don't know, five, six years ago, and he was just at the start, getting ready to start his, his own business. He just got a, got a, a Coast Guard license, had a boat. Um, and long story short, we kind of linked up, we fished a lot together, became good friends, and he was doing the same thing that I was wanting to do. Um, so it was a good uh, kind of lit a fire under me to uh, finish up getting my cap. Um, we bought a second boat, and then uh, I came on board. I kind of, I basically bought into the business um, just after it started, going behind the scenes. And then uh, shortly thereafter, he decided he didn't want to guide anymore. <laughs> He's got young kids and just in a different, different place in life. Um, so I ended up basically buying the business, one of the two boats from him, and then just kind of took off and started doing my own thing. Uh, so it's all, it's all from a boat. I don't do any, any real beach stuff to speak of. Um, I was approached to do beach guiding a few different times over the years. Um, I always thought it was a strange concept, um, you know, because, you know, hey, I don't really know what a beach guide does. Not, not that they, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthed at them because I'm not. I just, it just seemed strange to me. Like you're just standing there next to a guy, like pointing, hey, try casting over there. And, you know, I guess you got to, you got to have your, your social skills and your, your knowledge of all the local stuff. But, uh, and the other aspect of it was the, the sustainability because, you know, if you hire me to, to take you beach fishing and I take you to spots that I've worked hard over the years to kind of figure out and, and learn the timing of and the, the maybe sometimes the secret of getting to them and so on and so forth. Well, if I take you on a Saturday, where are you going to go on Sunday? You're just going to go right back there and then I'm going to be there with Sunday's clients and then, then you're going to be there and, um, you know, right on down the line and uh, and more than anything, I didn't want to step on the toes of kind of the people, you know, my mentors, if you will, in, in yeah. the beach fishing world. Um, I didn't want people that shared stuff with me. And then here, all of a sudden, I'm taking spots that, that they introduced me to. And um, so I just never went down that road. And, and now I just do it all, all by the boat, uh, which is great because there's only so much beach access in Puget Sound uh, with, with trespass all sorts of so crazy around here um, from the boat I can fish anywhere I want cover as much water as I need to um, these are fish they're semi-nomadic uh, so they they tend to live in a, a same general area but they'll move around within that little area so being able to cover water and and figure out where they're at from from day to day is a pretty huge part of it yeah gotcha. Well, that's a, and the one thing like from just doing recreational uh, sea run fishing, 
I've noticed that I'll go out one day on the beach and I'm out there and maybe the fishing's great that day, but I'll go out in the next week or the next day. And I mean, things are just changing so much out there. It's like, uh, if you even, you know, I'm just like, if you do beach guide, uh, that is really impressive because, um, those fish are never <laughs> where you want them to be when you need them to be there. So, Oh, you're absolutely right. It's a, you know, Puget Sound is a, it's a constantly changing environment. It, it's essentially a lake with current. Yep. Um, and, and literally from, from every hour, every day, every tide, everything is constantly changing. Um, you know, I, I'm, know how the beach guys do it i know there's some guys that, that do it successfully um you know it, it, the, the impression i get is that beach guiding the guys that seem to be doing it well it's more of a um, teaching thing as it is more of a just flat out go out and catch fish uh, that's teaching people how to beach fish you know you might go out with a beach guide and, and not have a great day catching wise but you'll come away with from it with the knowledge of like okay i kind of know what to look for and i know how to approach this um so i think you get a lot of a lot of that out of those kind of scenarios where with the bow not that not that every every trip is a just playing adventure um but i feel like you know the ability to cover that water and and because you're right they're they're there one minute they're gone the next um i've never met a fishery that that can make me feel like i'm one day and make me feel like I have no clue what I'm doing the next. For sure. um, they're, they're, they're pretty baffling. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That, uh, they're a unique species and uh, it's pretty amazing to have them up here. So, so yeah, they're super cool. When you're looking <clears throat> to find fish, things are changing all the time. Like what are you looking for to find those spots without giving away some of your secrets, but like what, what are you looking for? What's that process of finding those fish for any given day? You know, the, the, the most honest answer is time, <laughs> um, time and just fishing. I get that asked all the time out on the water. Like, well, how did you find this spot? Well, I just, it was dumb luck. I, I was out there. I, I always say that the, the, the biggest benefit of the boat is that it unlocks the entirety of the Puget Sound. You can fish anywhere biggest negative of the boat is that it unlocks the entirety of the Puget Sound. You can fish anywhere. You get out first day I ever took a boat out. I'm like, oh, jackpot. Now I can finally. And then you start looking around and you're like, there is thousands of miles of shoreline. Like how on earth do I go about finding fish? Um, there, there is some general rules of thumb. Um, cutthroat uh, tend to prefer structure. Um, they, they kind of behave like a, a trout in a river. They're going to, they're going to use structure to their benefit, especially in the South Puget Sound where I guide, there's a lot of current, um, it basically turns into a river at times. Um, so they'll, they'll use those places with structure and little depressions and channels and things where they can kind of rest behind something or down underneath the current and hang out and let the current bring the food to them. So they're not burning a bunch of energy. Um, you know, I like, uh, it's a, it's a stupid term, but my, one of my best friends always calls it spidey senses. Um, you, know, you know, I'm sure you guys know you look at a piece of water and you're just like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Or you might look at something else and go, this just feels. Fishy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the whole concept of fishy is, is so bizarre and it's not something that you could explain to anybody. <laughs> um, but you do any fishery long enough. You, I think you start to develop that sort of sixth sense of like, Hmm, I, this just feels right. 
Um, but in a nutshell, you're looking for, you're looking for structure, rocks, um, logs in the water, um, oyster beaches are great. Anywhere there's, there's freshwater dumping in, creeks, points are good. Um, you want moving water, ideally, um, when the current is moving versus just kind of sitting there stagnant. The fish get more aggressive on the feed, so you find that moving water, and that's where the tides come into play and knowing um, you know, where to be at a certain part of the tide. And that's, that's part of what makes the whole thing so, so unique is that, you know, you could be standing or, or drifting along the best cutthroat beach on the planet, but if you're not there at the right part of the tide, the current's not moving right. The fish could be there. You'd never even know it. Yeah. Um, you go back, you go back at a different part of the tide and, and fish the same spot that you fished and you would never have thought that there was ever a cutthroat that existed there in the history of <laughs> the world. And all of a sudden there's cutthroat everywhere. Um, so there's all those little, all those little factors. Uh, but ultimately, man, it's, it's just time on the water. I've just spent so much time fishing areas. And the problem is you find a spot and you, you know, you go out at low tide and you look at a stretch of beach or a nice point or something. And you see, okay, there's nice structure or there's an oyster beach or, you know, all these little things that the, the books will tell you and, um, and you fish it and you don't catch anything. Uh, you can't just write that off as a, as a bust. You have to go back and fish it at a different part of the tide, high tide, low tide, incoming, outgoing, slack tide, so on and so forth, uh, before you can truly get a sense. Um, so in that regard, it's just been a lot of time on the water, just, just fishing areas, a lot of days of not catching much, just exploring, trying new spots. And then occasionally you're like, oh, jackpot, I've, you know, I found one, or you find something that looks good. So you go back and spend more time on it. Uh, it's it's a lot different than than most other fisheries. Um, it's not it's not a river, not a river guide. I know I've heard all these stories from river guides where they they work a section of river so often that they know there's three trout that lay right on the backside of that rock or on that seam, you know, and you practically come onto a first name basis with them. Um, with the cutthroat, it's just a totally different ball game. Change so much. Yeah. yeah. So I got a question for you. What is a uh... What is, do you find it better to fish? Um, like, have you found like weather playing a part in the sea run fishing? Like, do you find that on like maybe the more nastier days you might fish better or like sunny days? What do you, what is your thoughts on that? Oh, that's another one I get asked a lot. And what I've come to believe over the years is that weather 100% has an effect on, on these fish. I think it has an effect on all yeah. fish also come to believe that ultimately I have no idea what that effect is. Um, so I have had some stellar days on just nasty, nasty rain and wind and cold and miserable. Um, I had one of those last week and thinking it was going to be a lights out kind of day and it was just dead as all get out. Um, cutthroat's biggest uh, predators are birds. Uh, it's death from above. Yeah. Bright days. Um, I just think they get super skittish. They're, they don't really want to move much. They want to just kind of stay, stay hunkered down and, and avoid, uh, and, you know, get. After hearing all these things, like what does a normal day look like? Like you meet your clients. Well, I guess like, where do you meet your clients? How do you determine you're going to go to this spot or this spot process of getting there? Your, what is your, what does that whole day look like? Um, yeah, so I, I keep my boat on a trailer, so I don't necessarily have one spot that I launch from. 
Um, it kind of depends on the time of the year, what I've been seeing lately, um, to a certain degree, the customers, because some people prefer to fish out of Point Defiance and Tacoma. Mm. They don't want to drive anywhere. Um, I do tend to launch, um, there's a, a place to the south called Harstein Island, and there's a, a launch right there at the bridge. Um, I tend to launch there most of the time. That's my preferred spot. Um, typical days, you know, uh, two days in advance, I'll be in touch with the with the person that's booked, um, give them the kind of the final weather call, um, where there's a, a big factor out there, uh, for both for safety and then just the you know fishability and and fun factor. If it's blowing 20, 25 knots, you know, most people can't fish in that. And um, but uh, yeah, get in touch, let them know, hey, we're a go, or you know, weather looks doesn't look good, or whatever the case is, we meet up. Um, I always get there well in advance. I get the boat in the water, um, have rods rigged and ready. You know, everything's ready to rock when they show up. Um, we meet up, you know, hop on the boat, pack anything away. Um, I have to do a, a little safety safety speech for the Coast Guard, um, kind of cover, you know, life jackets and, and all that good stuff. Um, and then as far as where I'm going to start, it, it depends a lot on the tides more than anything. Um, the tides and the weather. Um, some days I know I need to, if the wind is going to be blowing, you know, a nuisance amount, um, I'll try to, there's places that I'll kind of take on depending on where the, the, which direction the wind is coming from, so I can find some protection. Um, but the biggest thing is the tides. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, looking at the time, just, I look at the tides every day, whether I'm fishing or not. And uh, so if I know I have a trip tomorrow, I'll look at the tide and, okay, it's going to be you know, incoming in the morning. Okay. So I don't want, I don't want to fish these other spots until later in the afternoon when the, the tide's coming in. Um, so I'll kind of plan around that. Um, and that's where the boat comes in handy because I can just, you know, once we get on the boat, I can just go kind of wherever I need to go based on what those tides are. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a fine line between like, ultimately the, the people want to fish. They don't just want a, a boat ride, um, driving all over Puget Sound. Um, so I have to factor that in a little bit. Um, I would say I have like a, a home court, if you will, of, you know, a lot of spots that, that I found over the years that I just know, okay, you know, ebb tide, I need to be, I'm going to fish this stretch first and then I'm going to work to the here and I'm going to work down there. And I try to kind of keep it to something of a sequential order so that I'm not just running from, you know, one mile here, four miles over there. And, you know, we spend half your day running around. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of planning that goes into that, uh, for sure. Yeah. What, a, so if, if I was say I'm a new fisherman, right. Are, are do you cater to newer fishermen? I know that, I mean, you got to make decent casts from the beach, uh, but I've never done it from a boat. So do you take out newer, newer anglers? Do you do like a little casting clinic with them? Like, how does that go about? Yeah, so that's a that's definitely a, a, an issue. Um, I guess I don't know what the word would be. Um, when I first started guiding, uh, you know, you start a new guide business. That, as I'm sure you guys have seen, the the hardest part is just getting the ball rolling, getting customers, getting your name out there, getting reviews, word of mouth, and you know, you got to start somewhere. Um, so when people would would call or email and be like, "Hey, I'm." I've never picked up a fly rod in my life, but I've always, always been interested in it. I was like, rock on, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I was humbled very quickly where I, when I figured out that 
the deck of a boat on Puget Sound is not the easiest place to learn, not only to fly cast, but all the other things that come with fly fishing, uh, you know, line management and, uh, you know, hook sets and fighting a fish with a fly rod and all that stuff. There's just so many things that are, that are difficult to, to learn while you're also trying to catch fish. Uh, it's kind of like, it almost becomes a, a sensory overload. Um, anymore, what I tell people, um, had a woman reach out to me last week. Her and her husband don't fish, and they have a 13-year-old son who's never fished, but he wants to catch a salmon on the fly rod. So she wanted to book a trip. And I just, I, I try to be as, as honest as I can with these people that I am more than willing to take you out and work with you to the best of my ability. But what I really recommend is going at the very least and getting a casting lesson like getting, getting something under your belt because you're paying a lot of money to come out and, and it just gets to be too much. Um, you know, and people, I think it's common in guiding and, and chartering and stuff. They, they have these levels of expectation that uh, I've never held a fly rod before, but I'm paying this guy to, to take me out. So I'm going to walk off and I'm going to be, you know, lefty cray. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm always envious of like drift boat angler, you know, like on the Yakima and stuff that, that where you have that, that luxury of like rigging them up with an indicator and an infant and, and having them flop, you know, 20 feet of line in the water and, and using the boat to your advantage on the sound. I, I really only have so much I can do. Um, you know, it, I tell people, if you can give me 40 feet, I, we can work with that. Um, if it's less than that, it gets to be a struggle. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not a casting instructor. Um, those people exist for a reason. Um, teaching fly casting is a, is a whole different skill set and, and beyond just, you know, 20 foot roll casts. Um, and so I tell them like, look, I'm, I'm more than happy. I know enough to help you out and we'll go out and have fun and everything else. But if those fish are 50, 60 feet away and I can't approach them any differently or they, I can't, you know, they spook from the boat. There's only so much that we can do. So I, I really try to be as honest as I can there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. All right. Awesome. So we've talked a lot about your sea run fishing and kind of your sea run business. Um, but there's also another side to the coin of Nick. Um, he also does tuna fishing, which I've personally gone out with Nick uh, on the tuna boat and it was a great freaking time um and the this is a little funny story is when i went out with uh nick i didn't know it was actually nick so i was like sitting back there i was doing gear and he pulls out a fly rod and i get i go up to him i'm like oh you fly fish and he's like for tuna and he's like yeah you know he's just we just started talking and uh and then he started explaining more which we'll get into here in a minute but uh yeah once i got to know nick nick's a great guy awesome guide and um i'm sure he's gonna explain some cool stuff to us so uh, let's let's get rolling in that what what got you into doing tuna um in general um well i uh i commercial albacore fished in 2015 i think it was um, I had, I'd spent 10 years working at, at Puget Sound Naval Shipyard in Bremerton and I left that job. I was, I was miserable and didn't know what I was going to do. And I kind of stumbled on this opportunity to work. Okay, cool. 
So I went and did that. And uh, that kind of opened my eyes. You know, I always knew that we had this albacore fishery. I didn't know a lot about it um, off of our coast. Um, but uh, went and went commercial fished and was pretty, pretty intrigued um, with albacore. I wanted to learn sport fishing for them. And uh, more than that, I wanted to learn to see if I could get them on the fly rod. Um, I kept a, kept a 12 weight on the commercial boat and uh, <laughs> made some casts. And then at night when we'd shut down and I was waiting for dinner, um, never caught one, but, uh, you know, I, based on what I had seen, um, the commercial albacore uh, fishery, they, they fish for, it's all hook and line and it's all really shallow. Nobody's fishing deep. Uh, I just kept thinking, you know, got, there's no way I couldn't catch these on the fly rod. Um, in that, in the midst of that, I, uh, I was introduced to Mark Coleman who owns all, all rivers and saltwater charters and they are. Uh, I mean, I'm biased because I, you know, I work for them. Uh, but they are the, the biggest charter boat company in Washington State. Um, their reputation and they are specifically known as, as the tuna guys. Um, so the following year, um, I heard that Mark was looking for deckhands. So I thought, what better way to learn sport fishing for albacore than to deckhand? And I also had this, this big picture goal of getting my captain's license. And that's a great way to get your, your sea time working as a deckhand. Um, and ultimately for a lot of years, even, you know, way back when I was working at the shipyard, I've had this, this kind of dream of one day uh, running my own, my own thing. And ultimately I wanted to expose all of, not expose, I guess is the right word, but open up all of Washington's saltwater fly. Around the world, people are fishing for everything that swims in the ocean with fly rods. And up here, there's this, this stigma of like, oh, you want to catch salmon on a fly rod? You got to have downriggers. You got to use herring. You, you know, you want to, you can't do this stuff with a fly rod. And there is a ton of opportunity in Washington people just aren't aware of. You know, ocean coho on the fly is, is as cool as it gets. Um, rockfish on the fly, as much fun as you can have with, with a rod in your hand. Um, there's all this stuff, and, and I thought this is a great opportunity. Uh, so I ended up working deckhanding for Mark for three seasons. Um, the seasons are basically March through October, so thereabouts. Um, they start with bottom fish and then halibut and salmon and everything. And then when tuna show up, we shift over and do tuna. Um, after the third year, I was, I was done. I got my captain's license, and I was in the sound um, on my own year-round. Um, and then that, that changed, um, partly because one of his captains quit and he had an opening and he called me up and also I, I loved doing it too much. Um, it was really hard thing for me to give up doing that. I love the ocean more than anything in the world. Um, I love being on the ocean. I love fishing on the ocean. I just, it's kind of, you know, it's it for me. Um, so he basically offered me the, the opportunity to come down and run a boat for him did under the under the stipulation that that I uh, told him that I, I was going to be kind of pushing for fly fishing I had been doing it I kept a rod on the boat when I was a deckhand I'd pull it out here and there um, I didn't get too many opportunities because as the deckhand you're kind of you know busy um, but uh, so I started running the boat for him um, this will be coming up it'll be my fourth year running the boat um, two years ago um, I think Keaton, I think you came out in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't 
done any like actual fly only trips at that point. Um, I was pulling the rod out constantly. Um, but, uh, two years ago we did, or I did, I think like eight or 10 fly only trips. Um, and, and through people, um, that I knew through Washington fly fishing, um, things like that, where kind of like-minded, um, people that were, again, the, the stigma of like, oh, you got to have, you got to have anchovies, you got to fish bait. Um, and, and I, I just, I know, I know we can do this. Um, it just, it's, it's an expensive trip, whether you're going on a charter or you, you have your own boat, you know, it's an expensive trip. It's a hard thing to justify, like, uh, sacrificing the, the quote, sure thing, fishing bait and everything else to go out there and, and kind of experiment with fly rods. And nobody had really been doing that. Um, there's been a lot of people over the years that have gone out, they, they go on a, a tuna trip and they bring a fly rod. And at the end of the day, if fishing's gone well and there's fish around still, they'll pull it out and, and see if they can get one on the fly rod. Um, but very few people have been going out and legitimately like leaving the gear behind and, and seeing what they could do with fly rods. Um, I, you know, I definitely wasn't the first, uh, but from a charter perspective, uh, very, very little of that. Uh, so we did some trips two seasons ago um, that were extremely, extremely productive. We opened a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Um, I, I'll never forget. It was probably the, the highlight of my, my fishing existence. Um, it was maybe the, the second fly trip that we did. I had a group of four guys. All, you know, we brought nothing but fly rods. And we went out and put, uh, I think it was like 41 albacore or something on the boat. And we were done by like 1230. Yeah. Uh, and when we hit the dock in Westport, um, it was, I mean, it was the benefit of like that particular day was like as good a tuna fishing as anybody had ever seen. People have been doing it for a hundred years and, you know, just all the stars aligned. Um, but we hit the dock and I'll never forget it. It was like, there was this like, uh, wave of energy just kind of rolling over Westport and everywhere I went, I, I went back to the crew house. I went to the grocery store and I'm running into people, you know, Westport's a pretty small place. And everybody was like, did, did you guys really go out and plug the boat with fly rods? <laughs> and, you know, I was getting messages on, on Instagram and Facebook and, and people, you know, uh, various fishing forums. There was people posting, did you hear that these guys went out and did this? And um, it was kind of like we, we busted the door down. Um, that weekend, we had two days in a row of just stellar fishing, and um, that kind of lit things off. And then coming into this season, I ended up with like, I think like 22 or something fly fly only trips booked through, you know, it's all through through Washington fly fishing or uh, all rivers and saltwater charters. I don't, uh, it's not my business per se. They just kind of give me the leeway to, uh, you know, kind of, I don't, advertise it per se but i put it out there and and people that are uh, you know interested in it i love doing it and uh, what we've what we've established over two years now is that it's it's extremely effective um i, I wouldn't say it's more effective than than fishing anchovies but it is 100 percent not a handicap yeah you know we every single trip i've done um you know i've probably done 30 of them now or something Every single trip, we have four boats that we run in Westport and the guys with the fly rods have outfished one of our boats at least every one time every day. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And we've, 
we've been right in the mix. We've whatever fishing is available that day. You know, if, if on average the, the the guys with anchovies are getting eighteen to twenty fish a day, we're right in that ballpark. Um, I've not had one day where the guys fishing bait go out and just light the world on fire and we come back with two fish. Um, very effective thing and it's it's super cool it's super unique um it's it's not for everybody it, it's a very intense trip it's a long run on the ocean it's a long day um <laughs> the, the boats that we fish on they're not they're not a fly fishing platform it requires some some unique uh casting and and things um you know i try to be pretty open with people and we're not casting you know stimulators with five weights here these are 12 weights and fast sinking lines and big, big fish patterns and things. Uh, but man, when it all comes together, it's, it's pretty freaking rad. Um, you know, the more I do it, I've just, uh, uh, you know, more and more people are, are into it. Um, and, and we're just, we're finding, you know, new techniques and it's, and I'm kind of learning as I go. Um, but it's pretty rad. The lot, you know, the end of last year and into this year, um, started getting them on poppers on top water when it was good. And man, that's as cool as it gets. Like, Not you know, bad. you're in 6,000 feet of water and, and you see these fish swim up at 40 or 50 miles an hour and just explode out of the water on your popper. It's, it's, it's as cool as it gets. <laughs> so I got to ask. Um, so for, let me give a little, little background and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. But uh, so you attract, you know, you're going, what, 20, 30 miles an hour with poppers off the back of your boat when you're you're attracting with gear. Um, are you doing the same thing when you're on the fly to like doing the attractor rods or how does that work out? Yeah. So on a typical just standard trip, you troll around, um, you're trolling, you know, stuff that's in the top like foot of the water column. You're not trolling deep. It's basically just like big hoochies and thing with lead in the head and keeps it in the water. Um, we're not going that fast, but you know, six, seven knots is pretty, pretty standard. Um, and it's just a, it's a searching, searching method. You're looking to get bit one time. Um, as soon as you get bit, you stop the boat, you start fishing live bait because when you get bit by one albacore, there's, there's a school there. Um, so I kind of go about it the same way. Um, you know, the, ideally uh, if, if the fish are showing themselves, you know, cause you'll find them on the surface, jumping, things like that. Um, and in those scenarios, we just basically kind of get into position and start casting to them. Um, but most of the time you got to find them and trolling is just the most effective mace. We basically do the same thing, only we just troll flies um, with heavy sinking lines. And, and that, that's one of the, the ways where fly fishing, I think, shines over gear fishing is that you troll five to six, seven knots, and it's not so much a speed thing to like trigger a bite because you could troll something super slow. It's more about just covering water, moving fast enough to cover water because the ocean's so big and you just got to cover water to find them. Um, well, when you're trolling with flies, you, you're using the heavy sinking line to keep your fly in the water. So you can fish a fly of any size, any weight, doesn't matter. When you're trolling with gear, you're reliant on the weight of the lure that you are using to keep that in the water. And if you're trolling five, six knots, you've got to have something heavy enough to where it's not just flying out of the water over every wave. Um, so with the, the fly rod and the fly line, it allows you to fish smaller, more natural stuff, stuff that albacore more used to seeing, especially size and profile wise. Um, so I think trolling wise, a lot of people are kind of like 
yeah, we're just trolling for them. And it's like, yeah, we are, but it's, we're just hoping to find a school. That's all we're doing. You know, once we, once we hook one, then we stop, we start casting to them. Yeah. Um, but just pure catching fish side of things, trolling with fly rods, in my opinion, is more effective mm-hmm. because you can fish, you have such a bigger variety of things that you can fish. You can fish little two inch bait fish patterns and things because um, the albacore they can be every bit as selective as any Spring Creek trout you'll ever encounter. <laughs> I was told the story, I, I, one of the first days that I brought a fly rod along as a deckhand, we were finishing up our trip and there was fish all around the boat. We put like seven albacore on the boat that day in like two and a half hours. It was just insanity. I made a few casts from the bow. Nothing had happened. There was, I still saw fish boil on the surface here and there, but you know, just they weren't biting my fly. I was reeling in my line and I look up and about 200 yards kind of off our port bow, there was like National Geographic video of tuna just boiling on the surface, crashing on this little big fish that, we, that are called sari. And they're eating these little like inch and a half, two inch, really thin bait fish. And I was watching these things and they're coming closer and closer. I just stood on the bow and waited till it got within casting range. And I made a cast into, you know, what had to have been a thousand albacore just frothing boiling watered madness yeah and i it's the single coolest fly cast i've ever made in my entire life and i was shaking so bad thinking <laughs> as soon as my fly hit the water it's just going to get murdered how could it not you know and i was fishing like a five inch kind of anchovy pattern and i made probably a dozen casts into those fish and they didn't even sniff it wouldn't look at it they were so keyed in on these tiny little bait fish that big five inch fly they wanted nothing to do with it but it's just a prime example of like how how selective can be Um, but it's it's extremely effective trolling for them and the, the one of the other big reasons is when you when you're trolling you hook up on the troll and you stop the boat what a lot of people do is they like to fish jigs or swim baits at that point they'll send a swim bait back on what we call the slide so you're trolling at five or six knots and you hook up on the troll. You instantly put the boat in neutral, but the boat keeps moving. It's still got momentum. And that's what we call the slide. It's still, still moving along. So what a lot of people do, as soon as somebody will hook up, they'll pitch a swim bait back out and just let it sink while the boat comes to a stop. And then they'll work it back up. And essentially they're working that, that swim bait over a school of fish. And it's a pretty effective method. With fly fishing, when you hook up on the troll, you don't have to send anything out. You already have your fly lines in the water. So you basically, you can fish the slide as we call it immediately. And man, it's effective. Like we hook so many fish, somebody hook up on the troll, stop the boat. I, I tell people to wait like 10, 15 seconds to let their fly sink and let things settle and just start stripping it back. And, you know, we're usually fishing like four, sometimes five rods at a time. And it's not at all uncommon for everybody to instantly hook up, stripping their fly back in. Um, so that's another advantage. It's, it's pretty rad. Yeah. That's so cool. What does that process look like? Five people, four or five people (laughs) all at once fighting these. Well, Keaton could tell you it's, uh, (laughs) it's it's chaos. Yep. It's it's insane. Yeah. You know, even when you're fishing, just fishing bait, fishing anchovies, it's the same concept. Um, (laughs) It's a whole process. We do a pretty lengthy talk at the dock before we even leave the dock covering all of that because there's some very important aspects of it. Um, but ultimately you have to do what we call the tuna dance. 
Um, you have to you have to come to terms with the fact that you are never going to control where an albacore goes. You can't turn it head. You know, I, if you're a good angler, you can turn the head on a 40 pound Chinook. You're never, ever going to turn the head of a 10 pound albacore. You have to physically go with, with it. Um, it's the only way to avoid getting tangled up. So if you you need to be directly on top of that fish at all times. So you're just constantly moving around the boat. Uh, it's, it's part of what makes that, that fishery fun. Um, you just, you hook a fish and you stand in one place and the guy next to you hooks a fish and stands in one place and so on down the line. Eventually those fish are moving around, they're, they're circling, they're doing all the things that tuna do. They're just going to wrap up and tangle and, and off. So you have to, you have to go over people, under people, over people, back underneath, over to the other side of the boat, just constantly, constantly moving. It's, it's sheer organized chaos. And it's, it's about as fun as you can have on the water, whether you're, you're gear fishing or fly fishing, you know, I prefer to fly fish, but gear fishing is still, it's pretty. pretty cool. Yeah. That's you, cool. you got to be kind of close as I found out with the people on the boat, because you get pretty up and personal, you know, you're handing the rod in front of their. Oh stuff. yeah. You're like behind them, yep. like back hugging them, trying to get by them. <laughs> so, yep, that's no, it's it's pretty awesome. It's it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Like I said, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I always say, I always tell people that that if you have any interest in fishing whatsoever, you owe it to yourself to try albacore at least once. You might not like the long run on the ocean. You might not like being outside the side of land. You know all that other stuff. But man, it's there's very few things like it. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> what you know, you you do all you do tuna, you do sea run. What's like your favorite uh, time to guide? Like, what time of the year is your like? Yeah, this is this is my this is like the season I enjoy. Yeah, that's a tough question because I love it all. Um, yeah. You know, it's, that's what I really like about this, the, my life right now is that I, you know, spend four to six months on Puget Sound and then I spend the rest of the year on the ocean. Um, so basically um, the ocean is a, it's a grind that, that is much more of a, a intense physical thing for me from a work perspective. We go seven days a week, um, barring, you know, bad weather days, which I know Keaton, you got weathered out this year on that, that bottom fish trip. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's physical and there's a lot more, a lot more responsibility on my end, I guess, as the captain, you know, if I'm taking people 50, 60, 70 miles out into the ocean, you know, their, their lives are, I'm responsible for, um, there's a lot more people management and things. So come, come October, I'm, I'm pretty burned out. You know, your body takes a beating, just being on the ocean every day, everything else aside, the ocean itself is, is mean. Um, and then I get to come back to the sound um, and then it's like starting over again. Like it's all fresh and new and, and you know, and then come, come March, um, I'm, I'm kind of over the sound, I guess you could say, and ready, you know, starting to itch to get back on the ocean. And, and so I never really get burned out. Um, but I would say like uh, my two favorite things on the sound is like this time of year, um, November into early December. I love cutthroat fishing this time of year. Uh, seems to be big, a lot of bigger fish. The fish are hungry. They're, they're feeding. They're like kind of getting prepped into their, their winter spawn mode. So they're just gorging. Um, so when you can find them, you can usually catch them. Um, and then I like, I like later in the, the winter and the early spring 
uh, when the resident coho are around just because they're they're so dumb and they're so much fun um and then i man i love tuna i i just love tuna fishing it's it's uh it, it's in your blood um it's the kind of thing that it can ruin you on a lot of other fisheries <laughs> you know trolling for salmon yeah. is off quite quite frankly just boring compared to tuna fishing it's uh you know there's something about just crossing that bar and, and going well beyond cell range and, and the sight of land and, and you're just in a whole different world out there and um, it's it's the kind of thing that you just get addicted to. Uh, it, it would be a hard thing to give up. It really would. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's <clears throat> so what uh, is the best advice that you would give your uh, younger self or saying it as when you first start out guiding, like knowing what you know now, your experience guiding, what would you tell yourself when you first started? Uh, don't sweat the small stuff so much. Don't, don't worry. Um, you know, I've wanted to guide since I was, you know, a teenager probably. I, I was always attracted to it. Um, I think I, I built the concept of guiding so high. So I built it up in my head so much that it took it took a long time for me to kind of get over that hurdle. Uh, had it, I, I built it up into my head that like you could only be a guide if you reached a certain level or, you know, you reached the pinnacle of fishing and you were just so good at what you do and, and so good at catching fish and you knew everything about it, you know, every little detail and knowing what I know now, um, I, I would have started doing it a long time ago. Um, I think, I was ready a long time ago. I just didn't know that I was ready. Um, if that makes any sense, um, sure. you know, I, I jumping in and, and working for for Mark Coleman. You know, I knew he, his reputation, and and uh, you know, he's he's just he's kind of put on a pedestal around here, not so much in the fly fishing world, but in the in the gear and charter fishing world. The guy is just known as you know the, the greatest thing since sliced bread, and, and he really is. He's a great fisherman. He's a great captain. Um, but one thing I noticed right away when I first went to deckhand for him and, and some of the captains that I worked with and these captains that I was around who were, you know, legendary captains in this area, as far as, you know, what they do is that most of them will flat tell you, they don't know what they're doing half the time. You know, it's, it's just, you just got to get in there and you got to do it. You got to be confident. Um, you got to just, just get in and do it. And instead of like trying to reach this, level that I kind of invented in my head, if I would have just had that confidence, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, I could have just jumped right in. And I don't think life would have been maybe any different. Uh, you know, you just, it's one of those things you just, you just got to get in and do it. You know, I was listening to a little bit of, of your guys's uh, intro episodes about yourselves. Um, and Kyle, I was listening to yours just before I get on here. And you were talking about like, you'd never really fished the Yakima or you'd never guided the, you know, whatever it was when you were talking about, but you, somebody approached you and was like, Hey, let's do this. And you're like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there's this, this misconception that like fishing guides are like, I don't want to say better at fishing than other people, but like they just have it all figured out. And I've yet to meet one that would tell you that they've got it all figured out. Like <laughs> most of us guys that have been doing it for, for 50 years, um, you know, I, one of the guys that runs, uh, one of the biggest, most well-known charter boats in Westport, he's been doing it for 53 years. 
Um, he told us a story last year coming in on a tuna season on the radio about his first trip down uh, mooching, chartering and mooching for salmon. And he was driving left shoal shoal in the dark and was driving the boat out to the where he was going to fish, reading how to mooch for dummies or something as on a book on his way out there because he had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> and literally, I think, you know, everyone I know will tell you that. Like, yeah. we don't we don't know secrets like, you know, yeah, you know, I have a lot of experience and I'm pretty good at finding and catching fish. It's just something I've always been pretty good at. But man, I I don't know. I, I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, we. It's kind of like you just start figuring out what to look for. You know where you're where you're looking. What you, you the signs that you need to look for, and you got to get good at finding that, and then that will help you find the fish. Yeah, so, there's. Yeah. It's not as it's not like a lot of people seem to think that you just. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not like a, you, you know you're. A, professional baseball player and you've worked yourself up through high school and college and, and minor leagues and you finally got drafted or you finally got called up to the big leagues and and now you've you know you've attained this like it's just a, it's just the drive it's the desire to get out there and do it and and meet new people and and be willing to kind of put yourself out there um so if i'd have known that a long time ago um you know i probably would have got into it a long time ago yeah yeah, this is kind of a little funny story is I, I work down at Orvis and, you know, I get people coming in and they're like, oh, what's what's like the best thing to use this time of year? And I look at them. And I'm kind of like, well, you could use this like general tractor pattern. And they're like expecting that, you know, that reaction of like, oh, you need the size, you know, 14 elk hair caddis in a, you know, in a white color. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like extended body crippled yeah. done emerger. I'm like, yeah, here's a purple haze. Go give this a shot. <laughs> you know, yeah. Most of the time it works. It's just, you know, so like you I know, have fully embraced that. Like I used to, <laughs> uh, you know, granted I fish saltwater. So my life's a little different than, than what you guys do. Um, but I, I just, I fully embraced to the point that uh, I think, fishing is so overcomplicated by 99.9% of the fishing world. <laughs> um, fly fishermen are terrible at it, but gear fishermen are just as bad. You know, you talk to salmon fishermen and they, you got to have this color flasher and you got to run. Your leader has to be exactly 38 and a half inches long. If you're fishing for Chinook and it has to be 26 inches long. If you're fishing for coho, that was one of the biggest things I learned when I started working charter boats. And, you know, I thought, Oh, I'm going to learn all these new techniques. I'm going to, it's really going to open my game. I've been fishing my whole life, but this is going to take me over the top. And it was the exact opposite. Every single successful charter and guide I know simplifies fishing to, to the bare essentials because all that other crap doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I fished when I'm tuna fishing, I did like, I think I only did 50 something tuna trips. I don't ever change troll spread. I don't ever change troll lures. I don't change color. I don't change size. I keep it in the water and I know I will catch fish if I drive over the top of a school albacore. And lo and behold, we do. Yeah. And it's the same thing on the sound. I, I don't change flies very much. I'm not, um, unless I see a reason to, and there, there is a time, but I just like to keep it simple. Yeah. What's the best advice that you could give to a new guide that's just starting or looking to start? Uh, you know, aside from like all the, the ins and outs of the, all the things that come along with, with guiding, 
I think you have to guide for the right reasons. I think you have to guide because you love to do it. And if that is not your number one reason, then you're just, you're going to burn out really quickly. Um, it's, it's gotta be a labor of love. I've never worked so hard to be so poor in my entire life. Um, never been happier. You know, I have zero regrets, but you know, you're not going to get rich guiding and you're just not, um, and you're going to work your, your tail off. Uh, but the other thing is just, you have to be confident. You have to, it's a tough thing putting yourself out there, especially in 2021 with social media and, you know, you, it's, it's kind of a, a necessary evil. You've got to have an internet presence and, and by putting yourself out there, you're just opening the world to, to come in and, um, you know, hate on you and, and you're going to get those bad posts and bad reviews and you just, you have to be confident. I think that is the biggest key dealing with people, deal, you know, on the water, dealing with people on the internet, um, just, just, embrace that you're you know you're there for a reason and and this is what you want to do and that just comes with the territory um it's the hardest part for me uh, i'm very much an introvert and i don't i don't like to put myself out there but you have to do it and uh, you just got to kind of bite the bullet and go for it yeah gotcha so is there anything else that we haven't talked to you about yet before we get to some some listener questions and rapid fire around. Is there anything that we haven't asked you yet that you think we should know and that our listeners should know about you or about your guiding and your that? Um, I don't know. I've rambled off and on quite a bit about, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, ultimately I just, I just love to fish, you know, I love to be out there. Um, I, I, I love watching people catch fish being a part of it. Um, I, I'm every bit of as, as enthused when a customer catches a nice fish as I've ever been for myself to catch a nice fish. And that's not just guide BS. It's the truth. Yeah. Um, the, the second that changes, I'm done. Um, the second that, that enthusiasm and, you know, whether it's a 12 inch cutthroat or a 30 pound albacore or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, catching fish is, has always been my obsession. It's, it's what excites me. It's what I dream about. <laughs> and um, then, you know, the second that goes away, uh, I'll find something else to do, uh, but you know, been fishing for a long time now and it hasn't changed yet. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, awesome. no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Keaton, you want to take us into our couple listener questions? Yeah, uh, the one by Kyle on the fly, um, which we just had on last week. Um, she asked, "How did you get into offshore fishing?" I think you covered that pretty well uh up above you kind of explained your story and got to that yeah Uh, we have one from kent wilkinson 63 um he wanted to know what was the best time to fish for tuna out of washington you know it's uh, that's a common question it's a really tough one to, to answer um because tuna unlike salmon they're not returning to washington they're not coming back to spawn in our rivers um so it, it's a tough thing time-wise. I, if I was going to book a trip, I would say second week of August through the first two weeks of September, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, but the season can start. I've seen it start as early as mid-June, and I've seen it go as almost into November. Um, gotcha. You know, I just think that window is probably, on average, it, it's probably where I would recommend. Nice. Cool. And then I had one, one more question for you. This was me being a listener. Um, 
do you do any recreational fishing? Like, do you get off the sound? Do you ever go to like fishing in rivers or lakes or anything for fun? I do. Um, usually if I'm going to go fish for fun, I go out on the sound, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, uh, I grew, I got into fly fishing on lakes. I've always loved lakes. Um, so I do, I do still go, I have some buddies that are big into it. So I, you know, every year or two, it seems I'll go hop on with them and go fish. Um, I haven't fished a river in probably 15 years. Um, in tradition, I've done very little traditional river fly fishing in my life. Um, fished the Yakima one time years and years ago. I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. And, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of things I'd like to do. I'd love to do tiger musky. That's oh. on my, it's on my dream for a while. I bought the rods and reels and lines. I tied up a bunch of flies. I just haven't found the time to go do it. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, if it'll eat a fly, I'm more than happy to fish for it. I just, I'm pretty content to fish the saltwater year round. Um, but I'm definitely not against if I get an invite and I can make it work. Like, heck yeah, I'll go do it. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. All right. I think that'll uh, bring us into our rapid fire. And we got a couple minutes here. What is your favorite fish? Mm, probably ling cod oh yeah ling cod are sick ling cod are uh, i think my favorite fish to fly fish for was probably coho but my favorite fish overall would be ling cod nice nice what's your uh what's your dream destination to go fly fishing uh like the seychelles or uh you know not so much christmas island anymore it seems like that's kind of gotten past what it once was but some of these like newer atolls that are popping. I want to do GTs and, and milk. Cool. 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 Uh, what's your favorite thing to, or what's your favorite meal and your favorite drink when you're hitting the water? Man, I almost never eat on the water ever. Um, you know, uh, jerky, I guess if I'm going to have something or pepperoni sticks, something like that. Gotcha. Um, and then I drink, I drink those, I drink, those smart waters are, you know, the ones with yeah. those religious leaks that keep me from cramping up when I'm working seven days a week. Yeah. That, sure. that and coffee, coffee would be the other one. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. What's uh? what's your pump up jam on the way to go guide? <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, there's a song from Iron Maiden <laughs> called where the, <laughs> when, where the wild wind blows that for whatever reason is like, that's the one it has been for a long long time yeah <laughs> nice heck yeah all right so you're heading you're heading out the door to, to guide or to go fishing what is the first thing that you grab that you can't leave the house without my coffee <laughs> I, i've got two two big cup thermoses one for the road to drive to the to the boat launch and then one to bring it on the water and um if i forget that it's gonna be a bad day um, everything else I usually have loaded in the boat, ready to rock the night before. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty anal about that, but, uh, yeah, gotta have the coffee. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. For, so we, this is a question here. What's your best advice for just any newcomers starting in the sport? Uh, oh, just starting into fly fishing. Yeah. Just in general, like someone's like, they wake up, they're like, Hey, I want to try sea run fishing or, Hey, I want to go do this. What, what's your best advice to them? 
Uh, just do it. Don't don't get intimidated. Um, fly fishing, for whatever reason, has this like intimidation factor. You know, you walk into a fly shop and here's all these thousand dollar fly rods and you know five dollar wading jackets and things that you know. And you start looking around. It's really really easy to get intimidated by it all. Um, so I think the biggest thing is to just remember that it's it's just fishing. Um, yeah. It's a different different technique, different tackle, whatever. But it's just fishing. Fish aren't super smart. This isn't. It's not. You know, we're not going out and saving the world and coming up with foreign policy and whatever. It's yeah. just fishing. Just try not to get intimidated. And then uh, you know, as far as like saltwater fly fishing, um, I, I think uh, casting lessons is is the way to go. A different world in the salt um that was probably the biggest eye opener to me when i started guiding is uh, you know I, i'm pretty good at, at, at catching fish in the salt water with a fly rod I, nobody's gonna film me and make a casting video um, but i can get a fly anywhere i need to go in just about any condition in, in crazy real world scenarios and so on and so forth and i thought oh cool i could just take people out and they can catch fish and not everybody can cast 80 feet, you know, not everybody can double haul and not everybody can make 500 casts in a day on Puget Sound, just blind casting and stripping, you know, stripping fast and things like that. Um, but I, I think casting is, is ultra important in fly fishing in general, but I think a hundred times more so uh, in, in the salt. People spend a thousand dollars on fly rods and, you know, all the gear and everything and, and look like they know what they're doing. And then they get out on the water and they can't actually cast. They can't actually fish, um, you know, spend hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks. I don't know what a casting lesson or a couple of them costs, but I think that's the, that's the quickest way to shorten the learning curve is, is get, get a little bit of casting knowledge under your belt first and then go at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, there's a little tradition that we do, and I think Kyle's going to kick you off into this, but uh, Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, so we like to end every episode asking a guest your favorite guide story or like outdoor moment or like favorite, favorite memory. Oh, man, um, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mentioned getting albacore on poppers. Um, the, the first albacore I got on a popper is is the, the, the crowning achievement of my fly fishing experience. Um, that, was, that was pretty amazing. I was on a, on a trip, you know, a guided trip, and I was in the bow, and uh, I, think I made seven casts or eight casts, and every cast the fish came up on my popper and either tried to eat it or rejected it at the last second. Um, and the, the eighth or whatever it was cast, it, it came out of the water. I was literally telling myself in the head, in my head, don't lift the rod, don't lift the rod. So I'd already pulled the fly out of two fish's face. Uh, saw that fish because they just, you know, it's not like other fish where you can see them follow a fly. They come up from below. So you, you see nothing but clear blue water. And all of a sudden you see this just murderous streak coming from below. Uh, that thing, that, that fish came clear out of the water. Uh, had, I could see my, my popper in its mouth. It hit the water head first, kind of swam down, and I watched my line just come tight. And it was, it took everything I could not to set that hook. Um, but I kept it tight, and man, I, I absolutely lost my mind. Like I was, I totally <laughs> forgot I was guiding. And the guys on the boat, I knew most of them that day, and they all said that that was like their favorite 
moment was just listening to me on the bow, like losing. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, guiding wise, my very first guide trip on Puget Sound is, is one I'll never forget. That was a pretty, it was like, you know, culmination of a lot of dreams and work and effort and things. And then uh, it finally came together and I had a successful day and I, I'll never forget it. I, I got boat on the trailer, got it cleaned up, hit the road. And I called my, my, one of my best friends and he knew what I was doing that day. And he said something and when he answered and I just said, dude, I just got paid to take people fishing. <laughs> and like <laughs> that, that concept was, uh, it still blows my mind to this day. Um, you know, all the lousy jobs I've had in my life that, that is. So that's probably my, my most memorable, uh, guide moment. That's awesome. So, so if people are looking to do a uh, go on a trip with you via, you know, on Albacore or on Sea Runs, uh, how would they reach you? What can they follow to find you? Uh, all that. Um, I'm fairly active on Instagram. I try to be. Um, my Instagram is Captain C A P T underscore Nick Clayton. Um, and then uh, I have a website, southsoundskiffs.com, for all my, my Puget Sound stuff. Uh, my contact info is on there, phone number, email, all that stuff. Um, and then the tuna side of things, um, it's all washingtonfishing.com um, because I'm, you know, I'm just contracted to run one of their four boats. I don't do the booking side of things. Um, I always tell people I will certainly answer questions and, and help, but ultimately, um, uh, Mary, uh, the wife owner, she, uh, she does all of that and, and they just have to get a hold of her and, you know, tell her that they want to go with me and that they want to go fly fishing and, uh, she'll, you know, work with them and she'll get a hold of me if there's any issues or anything. And we kind of work together to, to make it happen. But anybody that that's interested in it, um, can certainly reach out to you directly. Um, I'm on Facebook, YouTube, you know, all that stuff, but, uh, and I can, I Sweet, sweet. All right. Yeah. Well, Nick, we really appreciate you sitting down with us tonight and talking about yourself, talking about guiding for sea runs and tuna. And it's been a been a great hearing all these cool stories and on your sounds like it's a pretty unique fishery, especially even even unique to to most types of ocean fishing or, or um, saltwater fishing. So it was really cool to hear your story. Absolutely. Yeah, it was good hanging out with you guys. Appreciate you. And uh, I've gone out with Nick a you know a time, and I had a, a absolute blast. The experience is great. Nick is a great person, guide, mentor. Um, he'll get you going in the right direction. I can't talk enough good things about Nick, and uh, I hope that you guys can get out on the water with Nick. So, for sure. Well, this was another uh, episode of the Young Guides podcast. And as always, I'm Keaton, and this is Kyle. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.